Specialty Story, session number 141. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and if you are a pre-med, I want you to go to check out nationalpremedday.com. It's a fun day we have coming up here on May 28th, again, nationalpremedday.com. Today, I have a great guest, someone who has been all over the world and has settled in Alaska. She has done both internal medicine and pediatrics, right, the, the med-peds residency that we have talked about previously, and is now a hospitalist in Alaska, as well as kind of dibbling and dabbling in other things as well. She's got an amazing path, and I'm excited to bring her on. We talked to Dr. Leslie Gonset about her path and what initially got her interested in MedPeds. So I did a specific specialty called MedPeds, and it's actually a, com- a combined internal medicine and pediatric residency. Um, and it was actually really during residency that I actually fell in love with hospitalist type work for internal medicine. We, during our training, do the majority of our training in the hospital, and then we do some clinic work. And uh, when we do subspecialty things like cardiology, pulmonary, we do either also hospital or clinic work. And it was really during residency training that I preferred working in a hospital. And so you have the flexibility when you leave, if you want to focus on working just in the hospital or just working in a clinic. So a lot of people don't realize what a hospitalist is. It's actually a term where you um, have a hospital and you have the emergency room and somebody comes in for pneumonia or something complex and it's an adult, so it's 18 and up. And when that person gets worked up by the emergency room, if they're too sick or ill or they still need more medications, management, um, or diagnostic workup, they actually call the hospitalist doctor. And that's usually an internal medicine, but that, that can also be a family practice doc. It kind of depends on the way they have it set up. So then they call, say, me, and they say, okay, this person's ill. This person needs to come in for a workup. They have pancreatitis. They need medications, or, you know, I'm not really sure what to do about this lung mass. And then, they um, get admitted. And so I would then go to the emergency room, work it up, admit them to the hospital and essentially continue their care until they're able to be discharged or go elsewhere, whether they need surgery, whether they need to go and transfer to a long-term care facility or the ICU or or things like that. It really um, is a, a, the full workup gets done in the hospital. Could you work in a clinic and do both? Yes, you can, but that's kind of starting to fall away. I think a lot of the uh, primary care physicians find it overwhelming that they have to both hold the clinic and then go to the hospital when their actual um, when their actual patient goes to the hospital. So here in Alaska, it's there's a very very few providers now that I've seen continue to admit their patients just for quality of life. So as uh, as a hospitalist, I, w- I want to go just rewind a little bit with the MedPeds decision as well, because I don't talk to a lot of MedPeds docs 
on this podcast. And it seems like most MedPeds docs that I do know actually don't practice kind of in the MedPeds world. So for you, what was the decision to go into MedPeds to begin with? Because it's usually a lot of people are like, oh, internal medicine for adults and oh, pediatrics for kids or oh, I can have the best (laughs) of both worlds, which is usually kind of family practice. What's the MedPeds world for you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I get that asked, asked that a lot. So when I decided to be a doctor, growing up, I always thought a doctor took care of everyone, right? Your your doc next door or in the, in the neighborhood takes care of anyone. Um, you, you have an abrasion, you have a cough, you go see the doc, and whether you're 8 or 80. So that to me was what I wanted to be as a physician. I wanted to be able to take care of the newborn to, uh, you know, to 90s or geriatric age, And I actually made that determination when I went on a medical mission trip after college, when I was applying to medical school, I went to Haiti and I was um, acting as a French translator because I was born in Belgium. And there was a physician that took care of the young and the old. Um, She was family practice, but what I really liked about her is that she could go there And as I was translating for her, she took care of of the young and she took care of the old. And the reason I also didn't do family practice was OB wasn't really my thing. Surgery wasn't really, really my thing. I really wanted to focus on the young, the old, like the basically be a, a, a specialist in both ages. So a lot of people ask me, what's internal medicine? Well, that's actually what a a pediatrician is to a child, an internist is to an adult. You really get a lot deeper in depth with a sick type of um, illnesses in adults versus family practice is much more uh, clinic oriented. Internal medicine really can take care of the um, adults, the adult population outside of just the clinic and really in the hospital when they're sick or in the ICU and things like that. We do a lot more ICU work in both peds and internal medicine than state family practice would. And so that's kind of what made me very intrigued. Um, I didn't... um, the re- and also one of the reasons that I, kn- I knew about it is I actually knew a MedPeds physician before I even started medical school. And I find that a lot of uh, medical students don't know that there are a lot of combined degrees out there. So what we call double and triple boards. A double board, there are a lot of specialties um, across the country that offer double. So MedPeds is an example, internal medicine, pediatrics, and they it's instead of doing each, which would take six years, if you did it separately, it takes four years. So you alternate every four months between internal medicine and then pediatrics and back and forth. Where I trained at Tulane, well, they have other specialties, including what we call triple board, where you had child psych, adult psych, and pediatrics. You had other double boards, which were emergency room um, and internal medicine. And you also had uh, neurology and internal medicine and things like that. And the the positions across the country are, are fewer. Um, there are not as many people wanting to get into these double and triple boards, maybe because they're just not as much advertised or a lot of medical students don't know that these exist. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, a special thing. You have to really want to be able to do both. So in my case, I did both internal medicine and pediatrics. And I love both, actually. And my um, when I finished, I realized that my passion in internal medicine was hospital medicine. And my passion in pediatrics was clinic pediatrics. I didn't care as much for inpatient medicine um, when, to, when I took care of kids, which is kind of a, a strange sort of opposite 
Um, and I still do practice pediatrics. Um, hospital medicine is usually pretty much across the country, either in shift work or week work. So what they typically do is you work weeks at a time. And that actually really gives you a nice amount of quality life. So I might be on for a week or two, sometimes three in a row, and then I may be off for one, two or three weeks in a row, which actually really allows you to have a great quality of life and living up in Alaska. I mean, you really are able to travel and go see family and you don't feel so much like the last frontier. And it's um, a really great quality of life. That's one of the reasons I chose not to do clinic work. And then during my weeks off, I have a lot of other things that I like to do on the side. So I, I do a lot of things. I always feel like I have five little jobs that I do. Um, and so one of the things that I did is when I finished my boards in both, I ended up finding a, a pediatrician that was happy to welcome sort of a PRN pediatrician. So I work for him, who's now my kid's pediatrician. And I work for him in the clinic every once in a while when he's out of town, or he certainly wants me to work more. And I had a I had an opportunity to work and do inpatient pediatrics if I wanted, but I didn't want to have two full-time jobs. So I'm still able to keep both. I still am uh, certified in both boards. And it's really, at the end of the day, it's what you want to make time for. I know that some of my MedPeds colleagues, they work in a clinic and they see both. So they see pediatric and um, adult populations, and they do a little bit more than, say, what family practice would do. I have a colleague of mine who's in Seattle, and she's really good at doing ADHD in pediatrics. So a lot of family practice docs may not feel comfortable. They usually refer that out to pediatricians. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the MedPeds world. Okay. So that's very interesting. It's it's kind of cool that in the MedPeds world you have that opportunity. Do I like the hospital? Do I like do I like outpatient? Do I want a little bit of both? And I can do one practice in one setting and another practice in another setting. So mm -hmm. it sounds like you you have what what a lot of med students have this dilemma as they're going through third and fourth year of what I want to do. I have to pick one thing that I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And you're like, ah, MedPeds, I can do whatever I want for as long as I want. <laughs> I, it kind of feels that way. And that's one of the things that I love so much about my peds is you do have that flexibility. You could go to rural America and work in a clinic. You could go to a community hospital. You could do academic setting. You really can do anything. And then when you do a mission trip or you want to go abroad and help out, like what I really like to do, then you really can take care of anyone and everyone. And that's the kind of physician mindset that I had when I was growing up thinking of a physician. Yeah. So in terms of, of patients, the, the typical question I ask is, okay, as a, as a neurologist, like, right, what kind of patients are you seeing? But for, for you as a hospitalist and medpeds doc out in the clinic as well for pediatrics, you're seeing, I'm assuming, just kind of everything and anything. Mm -hmm. So in the pediatric world, when I do outpatient, what's really nice is you do see a lot of healthy um visits. So a lot of the preventative health visits, which is not typical in internal medicine, right? When you're older, you're an adult, you're great. You never see the doctor. And that's one of the things that I try to convince adults never to do is only go see the doctor when you're sick. So when you're, when you're taking care of, um, of kids, they come in routinely for their, their well checks, which is just so lovely to be able to spend time with healthy patients for a change and really speak to the family, speak to the parents and help guide them along as they raise their child. So that's the majority, probably half of the cases that I take care of when I um, work in the outpatient clinic setting. The other types are going to be um, a lot of uh, sick visits, you know, so tonsillitis, strep. Um, 
ear infections, runny nose, cough. So a lot of the typical things that you might see kids come through. And then you have your, your more chronic population, which is a smaller percentage, which might be um, children with uh, developmental abnormalities that you have to manage, um, mm. genetic abnormalities or um, ADHD, things like that, where they need just constant uh, coming in every once in a while, pretty routinely instead of just coming in every year or so for a well check exam. That's uh, what you would do in the pediatric setting. When I work at the hospital, and our group up here in Alaska, it's um, it's a it's a, probably a an atypical types uh, case where our group works at various type settings um, throughout the community. So we don't have any clinic uh, type setting where we see adults, which is actually my preference. But we actually also work not only in the acute care facilities, your typical hospital, we, we also rotate at the long term acute care facilities. A lot of people and a lot of medical students don't really know what, what that is. And I can go into that in a moment. And then we also cover at a skilled nursing facility. So we we actually cover at a bunch of different tiers throughout the community up here in Alaska. And um, a when you are my typical case at an acute care setting is like I was saying there, there's a shift that works in the emergency room that admits patients. So um, emergency room calls the swing person is what we call, hey, this person's sick and needs to come in for further workup. That person, one of our colleagues, our hospitalist person does the workup, then brings it over to the daily rounders, which is you typically what I would do. So I'd hold a census of on average 15 patients round on them every morning, um, anywhere from pancreatitis, alcohol withdrawal, endocarditis, IV drug users um, have really been uh, rampant, I think, across the nation where you have a lot of endocarditis, um, pneumonia, COPD exacerbations, um, diabetic complications and wounds. Those are kind of, that's kind of the bread and butter that we might see on a typical day. So we hold about a census of 15 and we round on them. Um, my pager is on at seven. It, it finishes, it's uh it's off at nine. We have a hospital doc overnight that pretty much manages our, our patients while they're also admitting in the emergency room. And then on top of that, um, we basically do our work. We go in when we need to, we leave when we want to. It's really, you do your work, you get it done and you're there for your patients. And so again, it goes back to, you know, this is great quality of life. I think a lot of hospitalists across the nation sometimes do 12 hour shifts. Um, and so when, from there, they either go home or they go to a skilled nursing facility, which is where you focus more on rehab. You have 24-7 nursing care. You have a physician that sees them for maybe once every every month or more should they get sick. And then if they're still too sick and they need to be in a, an ongoing hospital type setting, then they actually go to a long-term acute care facility, which is like a hospital, they don't have an emergency room or a triage, but essentially it functions just like a hospital. They see a physician every day. There's even high acuity capabilities like an ICU. Um, and then we manage them and see them every day because these type of patients might need to stay in the hospital for weeks or months. And these type of patients um, can be anywhere from trached patients with two feeds after a major stroke or respiratory failure to chronic wounds that will take a long time to heal, such as in uh, quadriplegic, paraplegic patients who have a sacral wound who might have um, infections needing um, either um, antibiotics or uh, complex intra-abdominal abscesses with drains that we would have to manage that don't 
just heal overnight. They might take weeks or months. And so um, it's it's really what I love and what might seem overwhelming, which it's really not at the end of the day, is you have to put your hat on for many different settings, but that's actually what I find so interesting. And, and I'm also actually... Um, uh, helping out in the inpatient rehab. So that's when uh, people still are too weak to go home and they need about three hours of therapy and they go to inpatient rehab. So really internal medicine can be, can cover across probably all of the continuum of care, anywhere from a clinic setting to a hospital and all the various facilities outside of a hospital, like inpatient rehab, skilled nursing facility, and a long-term acute care facility. So it's it makes it really interesting and it, it kind of never really allows you to get bored. And I really like that about my my practice. Yeah, that's awesome. What kind of call do you have to take as a hospitalist? So it kind of varies where you are. Um, here, we actually don't have to really take any. It um, We still, the group that I work for is, is a is not an employee of the hospital. So we are a contract to the hospital. We're contractors. And so we basically, within our, our own group, set the schedule. And when you first come in as a non-partner, you have to work about seven, I believe it's about seven shifts, um, night shifts or so you know, here and there, probably a quarter or more. I, th- I believe it's maybe 14 um night shifts are you, and i'm guessing you're you're referring to that are you talking about yeah. night shifts yeah either way whatever whatever call means to you yeah so being on call what that means to me is two things one is do you have to hold your pager overnight do you get calls and at the acute care facility the um hospitals there is a night person so your pager comes off at 9 p.m. and then it turns back on at 7 a.m. So you can put a little do not disturb. And that night person, we actually call a nocturnist, will take our cross-cover calls. And in the one area that we would have to answer a call all the time is, um, I mentioned inpatient rehab or uh, the long-term acute care facility. But the nurses are very good at, you know, um, take calling you if they really have to. You don't have to necessarily come in every time you get called. And then the night duties, it, it will depend across the country who does that. If um, a hospitalist schedule requires them to work days, they sometimes have to work nights. So when our group was young, I know that you had to work um, a week of nights, but when we started to have a lot more coverage, a lot more physicians join the group, we actually have dedicated nocturnists. So we have people that only want to actually sign up for working nights. So on average, for me in a quarter, my requirements two nights per quarter, or you just end up giving them away, not signing up for your two nights and you actually pay the night person or, or somebody else to actually moonlight that out. And what that means is you pay them to work your night shifts. So it's really a good way to keep your quality of life, to feel like you're not in residency again, because I'm really tired of having to work nights. And that's just something that I've grown very tired of over the years. And some people really like doing them. Some people are straight out of residency. They want to work extra nights. So I think it's really dependent on your group. Or if you're actually an employee of the hospital, that may work, that may be very different. So when a, a fresh new grad is looking for a job, I think that's a really good question to ask is number one, do you want to work at night? Because that typically means that you get extra pay. You might not be seeing 15 patients a day like I might. You might be seeing, you know, five to 
to eight admissions. Um, and so you can you can certainly talk to the, the either the the private group that you want to work for or a hospital and ask what the night coverage is because it's it, it really can be very dependent where you go even in within the same city. Yeah. Do you feel like you have enough time for life outside of the hospital? Yeah, I absolutely do, and that's one of the reasons why I chose to be a hospitalist. Is the weeks on and off really give me all the rest I need? You know, some of the nurses might say, "Oh my gosh, Doctor Gonset, this is day thirteen for you," and I think, "Well, don't worry, don't feel bad for me because I'm getting two <laughs> weeks off when I'm done." <laughs> and and what I like about my lifestyle is you really get to know the the patient population. You, the people you're caring for over the span of say 14 days, instead of say, if I was there Monday to Friday, you really get to know them very well over the span of two, three weeks, or even a whole week and not having to do Monday to Friday. Then somebody covers the weekend, then you come back on Monday. So the hospital is medicine world, especially that we are not required to be at the hospital 12 hours, just from seven to seven they basically say, we trust you. You go in to take care of your patients. You leave when you feel like the job is done. You come back if you need to. That really allows me to have the flexibility of being the boss of my schedule. So if I have to drop my kids off or one sick in the morning and I have to find childcare, I have the flexibility. And if I have an appointment in the middle of the day or, um, uh, I have to run an errand, then I can leave and come back. I really love the flexibility. And if it's really slow, and if I want to leave it too, then I leave it too, knowing that my pager stays on until 9, 8, 9 p.m. And we've never had complaints. We've never had doctors that abuse that. We really just take care of our patients. And that's utmost, the, most, the, the, the number one um, uh, responsibility that we have. And then when we're off, we really have a lot of time to delve into your personal things, other things. I have so many other little jobs that I do on the side. One of them is, like I said, you know, doing pediatrics. And so that allows me that flexibility. If I was a clinic doc, the challenges that I found as an internist, if I was to do clinic medicine, is the number one thing that um, I never liked when I worked in, in a clinic was the amount of time that um, you have with a patient, especially in internal medicine, you might have 15 minutes with that person, but you know, they're typically complex. They typically have multiple medical problems that realistically you might need a half hour to an hour. And if you spend that much time to really take care of your patient, then everybody downstream is now late. So now they're waiting for you. Now you have the ticking clock, you have the pressure that you have to hurry up and go, go, go. And that's one of the things I didn't like that is I was not in charge of my time. Whereas in the hospital, that's very different. Mm. When I see someone, they're stable, the medications are working that, you know, you might not have to spend that much time, but if someone really goes down, they really need to work up. You need to sit with family. You need to spend an hour. Then that's what they get. And that's what I love is that I really am able to um, give as little or as much time as I can to a patient in a hospital, whereas a clinic, it's different. The other limitation is in a clinic is I might see someone that has something that needs a workup, but I'm not going to know right away or a specialist. I won't be able to know right away what that outcome was. They have mm -hmm. to come back. They have to, you have to help coordinate you know, a, a test or a specialty visit versus in a hospital, typically you can just talk to a specialist. They can come that same day or you get an imaging done and then you get the results. So the you get the ball rolling right away. And that's what I really like as well. What is the 
the residency look like for MedPeds? It seems like it would be complicated because it's two specialties in one. What does what does that training path look like? Yeah, that's a good question. So in our um, in uh, the MedPeds residency that I did, we over the span of four years overall spent two years in both. You can argue that you had one year of less exposure to seeing adults and one year less of seeing of, of um, seeing children. So um, what the typical residency program would lay out is you start off in one or the other. So you, I, for example, started off doing pediatrics. So four months I did peds and then I would switch and do four months of internal medicine. Then I would switch back over to peds. So my first year was peds heavy. And my second year would be the opposite because I then would start back in internal medicine and back and forth, back and forth. And so when you are an internal medicine resident, you actually are completely integrated, just like all the other only sole internal medicine residents. So you were basically in three families. And that's kind of what I loved. Um, You got to know so many people, so many residents, so many physicians. You got three times the parties, which was just great. So what it would look like is when you're in internal medicine, you're an internal medicine resident. They didn't look at you as separate. You didn't, you weren't just with your MedPeds colleague. You actually were fully integrated with the internal medicine residents. And then when you go back to peds, it was the exact same thing. You were considered a pediatrician. You were a pediatric resident and that was it. They didn't consider you as this oddball, you know, mix. If anything, it was more intriguing to them. What I liked about it, to be honest, and maybe it's just the way that I gravitated towards having two specialties is the diversity. I loved that I could go into pediatrics. And when that got a little tedious, when that got a little kind of mundane, then I'd switch right back into internal medicine. And then that was kind of exciting. And then when that got a little mundane after four years and you can you were able to just switch right back and kind of go back and forth where there were pluses and minuses in both. And it was just really nice to kind of always have that jumping back and forth. Some people might not like that. Um, but I really did. And at the end of the fourth year, you have to take your boards. And what we found over the years was that you you should really focus on doing one. So they said, if you try to study for both boards at the same time, then you might run into trouble with you just can't spend that much time being able to pass both. So they encouraged that you would take one at a time. So I ended up doing my um, uh, pediatric one first. So while it was fresh in my mind, because that was actually a higher fail rate. And then a year later, I focused and then passed my internal medicine board. Um, And then really, it's just kind of the experience um, probably was a little less because I spent two years less um, for each, you know, one year less in pediatrics, one year less in internal medicine. But I really feel that at the end of the day, and even here, I have some other MedPeds, MedPeds colleagues, when people find out you're MedPeds, for some reason, they feel like you're smarter or you're just more, you're better rounded because you really do, you really are like two physicians combined in one. Whether you're smarter or not, I don't know. We certainly had to study a lot more. We had to, we had to pass two boards, but I really feel that it made you well-rounded. You know, you put your pediatric hat on and you just are much more humble, empathetic, and you listen, you put your internal medicine on, you kind of put your Colombo hat on and you just go. Um, and you are dealing with higher acuity, sick patients. And so it's, it's that diversity really um, is what stood out, I think, between the MedPeds residents and, um, and a regular internal medicine or pediatric resident. 
Can someone come out of the MedPeds world and go, you know what, I, I thought I really liked pediatrics, but I'm only going to sit for the internal medicine board and, and that's all I want to practice? Yeah, absolutely. I think the majority of the time, that's what ends up happening. Um, probably for two reasons. One is if you find that you want to work in internal medicine like me, and then you are just kind of exhausted and you don't really want to have to do both because then that would almost be two full-time jobs. And you, you're sort of, you sort of start pushing the other one out and say, well, I'm not as experienced in that one. So I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to sit for the boards or even do them in the beginning. A lot of people do end up choosing one or the other, I think at the end of the day. So absolutely. Um, it's a possibility that you just come out and you say, you know what, I didn't really care for peds as much. I definitely want to just do internal medicine. And then even thinking about the subspecialty world. So if you get out and you're med peds and you say, you know what, I want to do internal medicine um, GI. So I'm going to end up being a gastroenterologist in the adult world. Well, it, it's kind of rare to get a combined, right? So it's you would probably have to then do two fellowships if you wanted to do gastroenterology in adults and then do pediatrics. So I think mm -hmm. there, are, there are not as many combined fellowships. So you, if you end up subspecializing, I think that's a big majority of people who subspecialize, they end up having to pick one. I know that at Tulane, they had a combined um, infectious disease fellowship in both internal medicine and pediatric infectious diseases, but that was an extra year. So you're already doing four years. And then on top of that, you'd probably have to do three. So it kind of starts being a lot of extra time that you start to spend if you want to do both. And then that's probably four bores now that you have to sit on. <laughs> so it really starts to kind of be a lot of studying, a lot of time. Um, <laughs> a lot of cost. Start, <laughs> a lot of cost. Yeah. And um, I think at the end of the day, people start to really find out what they like towards the end of the four years, but at least that's, that's four years to really think about what you like. And mm -hmm. it doesn't really take that long to figure it out. To be honest, for me, I always knew that I look forward to my, my rotations at the hospital, even though that meant every fourth night, I had to stay the night in the hospital and be on call for 30 hours, whether I was in a clinic, you never had to do that, but that was definitely where my heart was. So you, you definitely can get out and say, I only want to do peds. I'm going to give up my internal medicine boards. That's not something you have to do is keep both. Absolutely. It's just, again, it goes back to the flexibility and that's, what's great. And especially also, if you're really not sure, you know, Maybe some medical students out there say, God, I really love both. I don't really want to do family because I don't really want to deliver kids or, you know, but I really still want to do either peds or internal medicine. And I have, I've talked to some medical students about it too, because I'm actually the president of my medical school's alumni. And I get some questions about that a lot. Like, oh, really tell me more about med peds. And I think a lot of um, students that I've spoken to actually find it really intriguing. So it, sometimes it's also that, that we're not really known that the only time that you realize that there is such a combined degree is when you when you sign up for residency and then you kind of you press on the little bar and it, and, and you see all the specialties and then you actually see that there are some combined ones I, I think it wasn't for the fact again that I knew a med peds doc I wouldn't have known that there were combined degrees what do you know now that you wish you knew before going into your specialty well I I have to say I probably knew a lot <laughs> um, I would have to say, if anything, I would reword the question as what I think medical students should know. 
And I feel that they need to know what the specialty that they want to do Start speaking to alumni in that specialty in your medical school because you really can. There are a lot of alumni that are really involved in the medical school. And going to your medical school and asking the alumni association about the specialty that you want to get into and start talking to an actual specialist, say if you want to do surgery or hospital medicine or what does that mean, hospital medicine or family practice, and start getting an idea about what that life looks like. I actually went into medicine thinking maybe surgery because when I was in residency I abs- or medical school, I was absolutely in love with surgery. I was very strong at it. I love being in the OR, but I realized just kind of shadowing or, or, or seeing their, their lifestyles, they were in the hospital all the time. And I remember lifestyle was very, very important to me. So really going into your um, connections through your medical school and talking to alums are very important. A lot of things are shifting to to, um, shift work. So, for example, um, I didn't know this and and, um, internal medicine hospitalist was something that I sort of learned in residency. But that's actually shifting also to involve other specialties such as surgery and OB-GYN. So at our hospital that we actually now have hospitalists that are surgery. So surgical hospitalists and we have OB hospitalists. So they only focus in the hospital. They don't really have clinic. They might rotate on and off. But what that means is that a lot of people who think, God, I can't do surgery because I'm never going to be home. Well, they're actually doing shift work now. So they can work either 12 hour shift to 24 hour shift and they, they can have some time off. And the same thing goes with OB. Um, so, so being able to talk to alums that are working now and saying, what is your typical um, life look like now? What does it look like with um, trying to accommodate a little bit more of a family lifestyle or making sure that you're not beat down and working so hard? Um, and even talking to, for example, if you want to be a radiologist, like, hey, what does that look like now that you know AI is around, artificial intelligence? What is that doing to your job? Are you doing a lot more remote, working from home? So I think really talking to alumni is now in the field and then realizing, okay, um, what is what is my life going to look like? when I finally graduate is really important because that might really determine whether you really want to get into this field or not. Um, I think that would really help. And then shadowing, shadowing experiences when their medical school, our medical school offers um, shadowing experiences with alums that might really help in addition. And then I think also fourth year electives. A lot of people think that their fourth year electives needs to be in the specialty that you want to go into. One of the things that I would highly recommend medical students is not so much focus on, okay, I want to do pediatrics and I'm going to have to do all of my specialties during my fourth year in pediatrics. And that's really not the case. The, the, what I've told a lot of the medical students through, um, through being alum, an alumni is your fourth year should be into specialties that you actually find intriguing. I did two of my trauma rotations at Columbia um, in New York, because I just found it interesting. I thought, you know, maybe one time I would be a trauma surgeon, but that's not what I was going to get into. But I really still want to do that a little bit. And so I did some of my electives in that. And then I did one in France in emergency medicine. Why not? You know, I just really think it's important to diversify your fourth year and not just focus on, oh, I have to just do peds to get into it. I did my first elective in, in med peds at Tulane. 
And that's actually what really got my foot in the door. And I loved it. I absolutely loved Tulane. And that's that ended up being my first choice. And I was able to match. So I, I would tell people um, in medical school, focus on connecting through alumni and the specialty that you're interested or many specialties that you might be interested in and trying to get a balance or a feel of what their life and work life looks like. And then, um, and then, yeah, having fun with your fourth, fourth year and picking an elective, maybe at the site that you would want to work at. So if you want to be, you know, in Pennsylvania, at this particular hospital, because it's by home, then let that be one of your fourth year electives. Cause when they see you and know you, and then they finally know that you were dedicated, you actually went to them. They know who you are. You actually probably have a higher chance of matching when they can put a face to the name earlier on before the interview process starts. What do you like the most about being a hospitalist? The most intriguing part is definitely being probably my own boss. So when I'm on, I am in charge of my schedule. I'm in charge of, um, you know, my time when I spend time with, um, with patients. So I love the flexibility and being able to, to, um, spend as much time with a patient as I need to. That's definitely the number one thing that I um, have to say intrigues me the most. The other thing is I love the complexity of it. I love being able to take care of very, very um, complex medical issues, maybe all at once or or just one. I love being able to um, have an impact right away. So um, something that I can take care of and see results. Wow. They're better the next day with the things that I chose to do today. And then also how quickly I can really make things happen. I can get an x-ray right now. I can get a CT right now, or you know what, this person needs to have, um, surgery. So let me get a, um, a surgeon to come see my patient right away. So you're able to take care of someone really quickly. I love the pathology that you see. And that's, I, definitely the the one thing that drives me to be a hospitalist and and it really i've been doing it for almost nine years and it's just it's never really gotten old what do you like the least you know the least thing that i have to say is when i go off service you know i've just worked a week or two and i have to hand my server service off to the next hospitalist who's coming back on the the thing that I like the least is I might be off for a week or two. I come back and I don't really know whatever happened to that patient, you know? So, so that's probably the thing that I like the least is that you lose that follow-up. So I just admitted someone and I don't really know how that um, ended up. You'd have to look back at your 15 patients to figure that out. So that's probably the one thing that, um, that I like the least and then in addition to that, you don't really see them again. So you have a great rapport with a person and they love you and they say, gosh, doc, you know, I really want to see you in clinic. And, and we talked about how we can manage my diabetes and my heart disease. You know, can I follow up with you in clinic then? And I have to say, well, no, I don't really have a clinic. I'm sorry. I'm, I only work in the hospital. And so you don't really get to keep that patient rapport. They really come in, coming in, you fix them and then they just go right out. That's definitely, those are the two things that I probably have to say I like the least about my job. Yeah. Do you see any major changes coming to the hospitalist field for for students who are coming through this process now to be aware of? 
I have to say a lot of the other specialties are kind of going towards the hospital medicine world. Um, and we're going to most likely be the sole physicians that will take care of, um, of adults. So a lot of outpatient physicians, um, internal medicine, if you chose to be an internal medicine doc, I think it is going to be fewer and fewer that you can choose to do both. Um, I think nine years ago, there were, there were opportunities where you could work in the clinic and then go to the hospital, but that is becoming less and less and less. And especially if, um, the groups start to be employed by hospitalists or hospitals, I should say the hospital will basically hire hospitalists and you end up doing shift work versus being able to keep a practice where you can be an internal medicine doc and then take care of your, of your, uh, patients in the hospital too. Um, over the nine years, we used to have, I don't know, dozens um, of physicians that would still see their patients. And now we're only down to two in Anchorage that will actually still see their, their patients in the hospital. Mm. So that's really changed significantly over the nine years that I've seen. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a med-peds hospitalist? I absolutely would. I, I, really, I really do love what I do. And, and like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't get old. I didn't want to do a fellowship because I really found that I was the doctor that I always kind of had in my mind where I could take care of kids and I can take care of older people. And even if I only see adults, you know, I can take care of my own kids and sort of screen them and then, you know, go to my clinic and test them for strep throat like I did earlier in the week. Hmm. So it's really, it's really very satisfying to do both. I wouldn't do anything else. Any last words of wisdom for the student listening to this who may be in school trying to figure out their specialty, their career, and, and med-peds is potentially on the board? I really have to say what you want to do in life, what your overall thoughts are 10 years out of residency, what does your life look like? Does it look like, you know, there's nothing else I could do but surgery? Or, you know what, I really want to go abroad and I want to work. And what kind of doc does that look like? What, how can I have an impact? So I think really um, not just thinking about, oh, you know what, radiology seems really interesting because I just did it and it seems really neat. Really thinking of the overall picture. What do you look like when you're out of residency, when you're just maybe starting to have a family? Where would you want to work? Do you want to work abroad? Do you want to you know, work in global health? Do you want to stick to the OR? Do you want to do a fellowship? I really think it's it's looking at your, definitely your work-life balance. Do you want to end up going back to rural community where your family is? And 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 having to look outside of just, oh, you know what? I really love surgery today because it was just the coolest thing that I saw in the OR is really looking back, stepping out of that shell because everything is going to be interesting, especially when you see it for the first time. And thinking the overall picture is where do I see myself? What will make you me happy? What will make me sustain my career and not get burned out? Or how should I consider fellowship? I think is really a very important question. And that's how you should also look forward when you look at your, your specialty and really plug into your medical school um, alumni connections. That is very important. Um, I've guided a lot of students through their um their interests in electives, like, well, what do I need to do for electives? And, you know, the medical school is very helpful, but they want to hear it from a specialty in the field that they're interested, perhaps, how to navigate that. So the Alumni Association is has a very big impact in, in the decisions for medical students now that I don't think 
when I was in medical school, I actually realized that I could uh, tap into. So that's a huge resource as well. All right. There you have it again, Dr. Leslie Gonset, about her journey to MedPeds and becoming a, a hospitalist now in Alaska. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are interested in MedPeds, go find a local MedPeds doc. Go check out the MedPeds uh, Society as well and find out some more information. I hope you enjoy your day and your week, and we'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.